Blog Talk Radio. Again with Chris. Chris, would you like to come on in? Hey, what's going on, guys? Round two. Yeah, round two. Um, so we got a lot of stuff going on today uh, on the The number one thing that uh, we've been discussing this whole week is uh, my projected 2022 Marlins lineup for the season. And putting that in my poll, I was going to judge it off what you guys wanted to do. When I posted it on my story, it was all on you guys, and I decided that we were going to go forward and make it. It took me a long time to make it, actually. I had to make sure that, you know, we were doing the right things. And remember, the roster is not always going to stick in the farm system, so we had to make some moves outside of it. And, uh, you know, you guys are going to be uh, pretty impressed with it today. But we have a lot to discuss, so we're just going to jump right into our first topic of the day, and that is going to be the awards the spring training awards that we've been having for this whole week. Um, you know, we saw we saw a lot of improvement by Lewis Brinson last week. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, stuff going on in spring this week. The Marlins got a win. They played a night game, too, this week, and we're just going to go right into that. So the Miami Marlins currently, uh, you know, they had a game. They, have a, they had a game. They did not have a game today, in my belief, but they did have one. Uh, last night, but yeah, we're just gonna jump right into this. How are you guys doing here? Okay, so we're gonna break down the week here, um, starting from last Monday. The Marlins won nine to eight against the Nationals. Tuesday, they won three to one against the Mets. Wednesday, they won four to nothing against the Then Bra- they lost four to nothing against the Braves. And this was a split squad day, guys. So the Marlins also lost eleven to five on Wednesday. To the Astros with the split squad. Thursday they lost again to the Astros four to one. Final on Friday they won ten to three, a big breakout day. And Saturday they won two to one against the Nationals. And yesterday they won five to two against the Braves. So if you guys saw from that big ten run inning, ten runs game that the Marlins put up, Peter O'Brien hit a grand slam, put up five RBIs. He had a fantastic day. I was very pleased to see that. Peter O'Brien, so now I'm actually just going to jump right into that and give him the MVP of the week is Peter O'Brien. Seeing what he did in that game was absolutely spectacular. Uh, Peter O'Brien is competing for the starting first baseman job of the season with, and I believe, I do think it's Martin Prado. Uh, he played fantastic. Um, you know, really going to help his chances on the ball club to be that guy and to be in the starting lineup come coming. March. Uh, he is batting 154 in the season, but he made it up on that day. He has four hits on the season, but he has five RBIs with one home run, and that was all in that grand slam. It's got to go to Peter O'Brien this week. And Chris, what are your thoughts about you know the grand slam O'Brien hit to win the ball game? Well, obviously that's probably the best way to contribute 
to a team's lead or being down by a certain number. Um, Grand Slam, obviously, you do it in in, um, the best fashion, you know, the most stylish fashion, the most classic way you possibly can next to the home run. But, um, you know, it's it's good to see that players like him are progressing. Um, Someone that you bring into the franchise to be the future of the team is doing exactly what he was brought here to do. Um, now you were saying awards um, for for player of the week. I, I'm assuming is that what you were issuing yeah. this award to? Well, mm-hmm. I'm still gonna give it, even though he had a grand slam from Peter O'Brien. I'm still gonna have to give it to Lewis Brinson once again. I gave it to him last week, and I give it to him this week. Uh, he's been on a tear so far. Uh, hit another home run. Just that I'm been on fire lately, and I don't see him slowing down right now. Hopefully this stays the same as we kick off the opening opening day with Jose Urania on the mound. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that he has a great season, and he's showing some sparks right now that he could be a lot higher than he was last year. Mm-hmm. And jumping right into the Cy Young of the, of the week, the fish, it has to go to no one else than Pablo Lopez. He was absolutely demolishing, putting up four innings pitch without letting up one hit or walk or an earned run with four Ks. Pablo Lopez had four perfect innings with the fish, of course, after being pulled out. And that is a huge push for Pablo, being that he is competing for a rotation spot on the roster. You got guys like Lee and Chen who are competing as well, Jeff Brigham, who we had on the show earlier. Um, and you know, these guys are going out here to compete, but seeing what Pablo Lopez did, especially with that injury at the end of the 2018 season, seeing a lot of promise in this kid, Pablo Lopez, and I'm very, very happy to see it. And, you know, always good things to come. So Pablo Lopez will win my award for Pitcher of the Week. Chris, what do you think? I'm going to go straight into that with Pablo Lopez as well. Uh, you never know. Maybe if they if this was an actual regular season game, you never know. Maybe he – could have continued um, just completely throwing up a storm, and he could you – know, not not in that way, but uh, uh, he probably could – maybe he could have gotten that no-hitter. You never know. You know, this game is very unpredictable at times, and, you know, it's not really easy to predict something of that caliber, something that um, amazing for a career, for a career milestone, but um, – you never know. Pablo Lopez, you may see him as the next as Jane, of the James Paxton figure this season or Sean Mania figure. You never know. Um, no-hitters come out of nowhere, come out of the most unexpectable players. No one expected Sean Mania to get his no-hitter this year, and he got it anyway. And as well with Paxton, you know, going into this season, a lot of unpredicted things happened. Um, Chris Davis led the league in home runs. You know, things, that just shows that things are unpredictable. No one was there at that spring training game thinking that Pablo Lopez was going to go no-hitter. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. You know, it's very unpredictable. But doing as well as he did that one game, I'm going to have to go with Pablo Lopez uh, as my um, Marlon Cy Young for the week. And for our third award, this typically is supposed to not really be the rookie of the year, but kind of like the, the new addition to the roster who really been on a tear coming into – you know, spring training here for the fish. And uh, I know this guy's been injured. He only had two – he only had five at-bats, but Jorge Alfaro chaired it up this week when he came back. 
Uh, I gave it to Guerrero last week. I would give it to him again. Unfortunately, though, he got into playing. But not even that. I'm actually going to have to give this to either. I have to change my mind here. Instead of Alfaro, I'm going to give it to Pedro Alvarez, who hit pretty well this week, put up some nice RBIs. He's two RBIs in the season with six hits, 22 at bats, and 273 average, making his case to be on the raw opening day roster for the fish, maybe as a utility man, maybe behind Peter O'Brien, and they move Martin Prado behind Brian Anderson on the depth chart, but it's got to go to Pedro Alvarez. Being the new addition to the team, 32 years, 32 years old, first baseman, Pedro Alvarez had a nice week this week. I'm going to have to give that award to him. Chris, what are you going to do? I, hope, I know you're going to say the same as me here, maybe, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm going to go with Brian Holiday, the catcher that is brought into this scenario that the, the star catcher from the Miami Marlins, J.T. Romuto, was traded um, within a month, within two months of, this, of opening day. And he's showing that he, he's fighting for that position. He wants the role to start on opening day. And he's doing that by putting up a good four, 400 average so far. You know, he's around that range. He's making good contact with the ball. And, you know, he's had seven hits so far on the stat sheet. Not bad for um, a guy that was sitting as the backup role for the Miami Marlins catcher catching position for most of the season last year. Um, Brian Holiday, you never know. Okay? Maybe the Marlins are not in that bad position of catcher after all. They could still have an all-star catcher in their franchise. Maybe they had two the whole time. I'm going to go with Brian Holiday, showing some good stuff lately. Definitely not the pick that you thought I would select. You obviously would have thought I copied you, but I'm going to have to go with Brian Holiday. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some intriguing stuff this week for the Fish. Um, and they are sitting at 6-10 and 10 this week. Uh, and, you no, know, there's always room for improvement. But they definitely are getting right back off to the better track here with those wins, and especially – that grand slam by Peter O'Brien was definitely a you know a big booster to them uh, coming into this. But here is the rest of the, you know not that many spring training games left. Um, so here is the rest of the games left for the Miami Marlins. So right after this, March 12th, Tuesday, we take on the Mets in Jupiter, which is the home game for the Fish. We play Wednesday against the Cardinals in Jupiter as well, so we're home as well. On the 14th Thursday, we play in West Palm Beach against the Astros. All these guys are 1 o'clock games, by the way. Friday, we take on the Braves in Orlando. Saturday, we take on the Mets at home again in Jupiter. And Sunday, we take on the Cardinals in Jupiter. And then Monday, of course, we take on the Nationals in West Palm Beach. But, yeah, that is what it's looking like for the Fish. We are coming to an end. Opening day is coming up very closely. And we were speaking about Brian Holiday potentially could be the opening day catcher for the Fish due to Jorge Alfaro being shut down for the rest for the remainder of spring due to his knee inflammation. Um, definitely not a good sign. Hopefully he gets a speedy recovery and we get him back on the field as soon as possible. Going into the – now we're going to go right into the mailbag questions. Benton, I'm asking you to step in here. And uh, we only have one question, I think, today from the mailbag question. You can always go to my Instagram story at news. Check it out over there. Put your question in. I always do it before every podcast. So, Benton, take it away with the Yeah, so as you said, we're only taking uh, one question this week. That question is from John. He wants to know, where is Victor Mesa playing? Because that's who he wants to see. 
Well, Victor 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 Mesa will not be in the starting lineup this year. I know in my projected lineup I did have it, but I projected things to go a little differently for Victor. I expect him to have much more at bats, uh, only playing one game really because due to his hamstring. Um, but Victor Victor Mesa will be somewhere in the outfield. They haven't decided yet. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to say center field. I feel like that's locked down with Lewis Brinson out there. Right field as well, Monte Harrison up and coming. I got to see him in left field as a potential starter over there. Connor Stout can be a while, so he's ready. He's progressing well in the farm system. Uh, Sierra's good too. I like the I like the progression by him as well. But I just think Victor Victor Mesa is going to fit really nicely in left field. Because I especially with Lewis Brinson's defensive skills out in center, I do not see Lewis Brinson getting moved. So I think Victor Victor Mesa will be out in left field. Chris? Um, well, Nessa unfortunately had to uh, start off his run with the Miami Marlins uh, with an injury, and that sucks. You know, that really does for um, the Marlins' current state. You know, they always want to see him progress as quick as possible and um, get as good as, he po- good as possible and help the team in the major league level. But, yeah, he was injured. He got the hamstring injury. But with him fully healthy, and if he does show some good stuff when it comes to batting and he's able to field the ball pretty well, I'm going to have to say left field, too. That is the only opening spot I see right now that could fit him. You know, you got Lewis Brinson, um, center. You know, the outfield is pretty locked up right now. The outfield is pretty locked up. So uh, left field is the only spot I see him sitting at right now. yeah, hopefully things don't have to change with Lewis Brinson. Hopefully he's he's here. He's he's gonna stay in the center in the in center field. Uh, he did pretty well last year, and well, fielding the ball he did well last year. Hitting was a tough year for him, but it's okay. You know, everybody has their everybody has their season. But you know, left field, yeah, that's his spot. That's where I see him. Um, yeah, that's where I see him playing ball. Mm-hmm. And. Next up will be the projected 2022 Marlins lineup and rotation. But before we get to that, we are going to take a small break. And when we get back, we will be with you with the projected lineup and rotation for the Miami Marlins in 2022. Hello. This Tuesday on FanCast, our host will be doing a rundown of the Phillies' 2019 roster. We'll be taking a look at the bullpen and who who is in and who's out. How is Jake Arrieta going to come back from a tough first year in Philly, and will he take a step forward in 2019? Also take a look at the outfield situation now that Bryce Harper is a Philadelphia Philly. Tune in for all this and more this Tuesday on FanCast. Okay, guys, we are back from the break. And before I get into this projected lineup, I just want to let you guys know that, you know, if it sounds ludicrous to you, uh, just remember this is 2022 and players are aging a bit. Uh, no, the lineup I put here is realistic. I'm not going to put, like, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout in the lineup here for the fish. This is my projected 2022 lineup. Of course, we're not going to build a whole team out of prospects. Of course, we're going to go out there and get some veterans to see every team do it. But after every single one, I'm just going to explain it. So don't, you know, just rush the conclusions here. And so we're just going to start it off. So I'm going to be saying the player, the position, and the age of them at this year. So starting it off, leading off 
2022 for the Marlins will be left fielder Victor Victor Mesa at age 25. My prediction is that Victor Victor Mesa gets called up way before this, and he's solidified himself as a leadoff man, and he's going to be running around the bases. Uh, I see him as a better version of D. Gordon. Uh, I actually have him as a version of D. Gordon that you know can hit the long ball better, I guess, a better hitter than D. Gordon, I guess. But I, I don't want to disrespect D. Gordon here. I, I love him. He's a great player. But so Victor Victor Mets will be the leadoff and the, the leadoff man for the fish for years to come down the road. Now, batting second, uh, shortstop will be Francisco Lindor, age 28. Uh, you guys have seen Lindor's contract will be coming to an end in 2022. And don't be saying, oh, the Marlins are going to spend big for Lindor. This is like three years down the road here in 2022. And you know, the Indians are focusing on his health. Like, Lindor got hurt a little bit last year. He's out for two months. Um, he's out for two months now, so he won't be ready for opening day. But there were, there were, you know, the Indians will be moving on from him, in my opinion. Uh, they want to move on. From, uh, in my opinion, they are going to move on from Lindor. Uh, not having his best year and his average last year, but his homers are definitely up. And this is the perfect fit for the Marlins. You can go do it over to Fish Stripes, too, and see the projected landing players for the Marlins on there on Fish Stripes. Remember, my guy Eli over there running the account. But, um, yeah, I got Lindor coming to the Fish, batting second. Uh, you know, it may sound ludicrous to you, but I'm telling you this is realistic due to him growing up close to Miami. Uh, I think this is a great fit for the Marlins, and I do see it in the future. Batting third will be center fielder Lewis Brinson, and he will be 27 years old. Lewis Brinson will be the franchise centerpiece for years to come. I'm telling you right now, I really believe in this kid, as many of you guys may not. This kid has what it takes to be the franchise centerpiece for the Marlins in center field. I like his his dad's gonna improve so much better, and I just see I just see Lewis Brinson being our franchise there, and I just think it would, it would be a great fit for the fish, and I, he is a great fit for the fish, and I'm just gonna have him there as our number three hitter. And remember, guys, this is a DH lineup because DH will be coming to the National League very very soon. I think it's in the 2020 2021 somewhere around there. So this lineup will be with DHs. The batting fourth will be right fielder Monte Harrison, age 26. Now, originally I did have him as a DH. Then I remembered his arm was very nice out in right field and could field the ball well. He will be our powerhouse for the future as well. Monte Harrison has what it takes to hit the long ball. He has the power. He has the size. He has the muscle to hit the long ball. And I think he is going to be a great guy to have there as your cleanup hitter to bring all the batters in. And this lineup so far, Mesa, Lindor, Brinson, Harrison, if these guys progress the way I think they are, this is a really good playoff contention team. 2022-2021 is my projected playoff uh, year for the Marlins. You know, I stated that earlier, and I do think that with Harrison batting fourth as a cleanup, I think that's a great fit for the Fish. Batting fifth will be third baseman Brian Anderson at age 28. Anderson will be our franchise third baseman. I said it uh, no, I've said it, said it before. I'll say it again. You know, he was fourth in the race for Rookie of the Year for the NL last year. This is a great player, in my opinion, for Anderson. I do like him batting fifth. Originally had him batting second, but then I, I wanted Lindor to be up there in the lineup. He gets on base a lot. So does Anderson. But And Anderson's get power is going to improve so much this year. I can feel it. He said it, too. He really wants to focus on power this year, which I very absolutely love. 
So I think this is a great area to have him in, a great spot for him to bat. So I have Brian Anderson batting fifth. Batting sixth will be D8, Marcelo Zuna, age 31. Marcelo Zuna will be returning to Miami. He stated that he wants to be in Miami. When he left, he misses Miami. He will be coming back as a D8 at age 31. Remember, he will not be in his prime anymore. You know, he will be on the other side of his career, age 31. I think this would also be a great fit to have him as a D8. He's a great hitter. He misses Miami. I see him when he is eligible to be a free agent. I see him coming back to the Miami Marlins, and I think that's a great idea if the fish bring him back. Come back home to Miami where you started off. We'd love to have you. Now batting seventh, be first baseman Anthony Rizzo. He will be age 32. Rizzo, you guys know he was born here in Parkland, Florida, not that far from Miami, and I see that he wants to return home after he's done with the Cubs. Uh, you know, he's got a nice deal with the Cubs right now. He's doing very well. This was more of a long shot for me with Rizzo. It was the one I was really speculating. Um, not Lindor, because Lindor actually has, you know, the fits to be here, and we always needed a shortstop, unless those Cyrus Johnson and Jose Devers pan out. But this guy was definitely, like, more of a long shot for me with Rizzo, but I think it's a nice fit as well. If he come here on the other side of his career, just like Ozuna, he's 32, be a veteran first baseman for us. Maybe Peter O'Brien develops into that superstar first baseman, and we all want him to as well. This is just speculating that, and this is, you know, hopefully Peter O'Brien does, but this is the guy who I think will fill the shoes. Anthony Rizzo, the veteran first baseman, will help us win ball games. So we'll be going after good talent and veteran guys to win games. And then batting eighth will be catcher Jorge Alfaro. Now, I got Alfaro staying with us, and he is actually going to be 28 at the time. He's 25 now. I was deciding between him and Will Banfield as the starting catcher. Will Banfield would be 23 at the time. I didn't think they would call up Banfield that early. Looking at his age, 23, normally catchers don't really get called up that early. And I just think Banfield would get one more year down in the minors and then be a September call-up in that year. So it will be Jorge Alfaro as your starting catcher, and I like it. I think he's going to – you know, he's going to do well. He's got a cannon behind home plate. And I see him as a long-term option for the fish. And I think that's the reason why he was involved in the trade. And batting ninth is our last position. Second base is San Diaz. And he will be age 25. San Diaz I've always liked, especially in the Lewis Brinson trade that we got. I think Diaz is going to be because he has the power to hit the long ball. I think Diaz can hit it over the wall. I think he's got the power for it. I think he's a great hitter. Uh, you know, he does have room to improve, of course. The club is getting better and better. Uh, you saw him in spring. He's been doing pretty well. He had a nice play at second. His club's doing very, very well. And I think Asan Diaz will be our second baseman. So I'm going to run through the lineup one more time, get Chris's opinion on it, and then we'll move right into the starting rotation and the closer. So remember, leading off, Victor Victor Mesa, playing left field, playing second, Francisco Lindor, playing shortstop, playing third, center fielder, Lewis Brinson, Batting fourth, Monte Harrison, right fielder. Batting fifth, Brian Anderson, third base. Batting sixth, Marcelo Zuna, DH. Batting seventh, Anthony Rizzo, first base. Batting eighth, Jorge Alfaro, catcher. And batting ninth, Nissan Diaz, second base. Chris, I've cleared it all away. Let's get your opinion on that lineup. Well, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, 
The National League is going to completely change once the DH is fully made staying in the in the NL and the NL will now live with the DH. That's a huge change for them. Definitely better for more NL teams, allowing them to put up better records, allowing them to have more hitters in the starting lineup. Um, now the players you have on this list, I can definitely see Victor Victor Mesa, you know, starting at that level. Lewis Brinson definitely if he keeps up the pace he's at. Monte Harrison, good player. I see him all your outfield set right there. Boom. First four batters. Um, I did skip a name, Francisco Lindor, and I'll talk about that once I finish up with these other players. Brian Anderson, definitely he'll be he'll be um in the starting lineup if he's playing how he is. You know, it all depends on the future, but I think I think I think they're pretty set with him. Uh Will Banfield by then he'll be completely um you know, he'll be he'll be a starter. He'll be your average starter. I mean, I said Alfaro 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 is gonna be the catcher. Oh my bad, my bad. Um Alfaro. Alfaro yeah, I could see that. I could see that if he keeps progressing the way he's going. You know, like I've said about the past players, it just depends on how they're how they're able to perform uh, under pressure and um in the minor leagues and that takes them to the big leagues. Uh, San Diaz, don't know too much about him, um, but you know every prospect has a chance. You know, uh, I can see that. I can see why you would you would um put him on this list because by then, um, your average prospect is putting up decent numbers. And you know I can't really comment much on San Diaz, so I'm going to go on to the the small additions that you made to the franchise of Miami, Francisco Lindor. No doubt about it, he's a beast. He may not have had the best season, but Francisco Lindor, he's going to come back around. He's going to be known as the number one shortstop in the league again. Francisco Lindor, if they can pull that off, I mean, I can understand how. That's definitely a possibility. I can see that happening as well. Um, The Indians are going to have to start paying, um, what's his name? Um, Ramirez, big bucks. Uh, They're going to have to start paying him. And uh, that's going to affect Francisco Lindor's paycheck. And I think he's going to want more than he's actually getting paid. And that's when, Mar- that's when the Miami Marlins step in. They're going to be able to have the money at that time. Now, Marcel Ozuna, 100%, well, maybe not 100%, but I'm, be- I'm pretty certain that he's going to end up returning. You know, he misses Miami. He, he has family down here in Miami. He loves the community. And he was devastated to find out that he was no longer able to play left field for the Miami Marlins. He was a fan favorite. Everybody loves seeing Marcelo Zuna. Um, chanting different languages at him in the outfield. You know, I've seen that a couple times. The fans love Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna loves the fans. I see that's a perfect fit for him to return to Miami. Now, Anthony Rizzo, I can see why you say it's a long shot because he's on a team that already won him a World Series. Um you know, Anthony Rizzo is um he he's from down here. You know, he lived a couple um he lived um a bit away from Marlins Park. You know, he lives nearby. He lived nearby, you'd see him go to a couple games. He obviously he obviously was a Marlins fan. Well he was a bit of a Marlins fan by then. And Anthony Rizzo coming to Miami. Um, it's possible. Anything's possible. Do I see it happening? Not, not really. You know, I think I think Anthony Rizzo is going to get paid. He's got a nice contract right now, and 
I think the Cubs are going to give him a deal that he cannot refuse. I think he's going to stay with the Cubs. Him and Chris Bryant, they kind of got a good thing going on. Um, no doubt about it. So that's my that's my my um, output on what you just my input on what you just said. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely interesting stuff. Hopefully this lineup comes true. This really looks like a fantastic lineup. But we are going to go right into the rotation here. Remember that I will be posting this lineup in rotation very, very soon, just trying to get the right you know, format for it, and then uh, make sure I get it out to you guys ASAP. Uh, right now, so our starting rotation, our ace will be Sixto Sanchez, age 23. And then I was really judging between him and Sandy Alcantara. I thought it was really a toss-up, but I think I think Sixto's gonna have the edge. Uh, those with so much velocity and just a nasty pitcher. He just has the stuff to go pro, and I think Sixto can really come in and take over that that ace spot that was once held by the late Jose Fernandez, and I think Sixto really has what it takes to be the top pitcher for the Marlins in the, for, for now in 2023 and the future. Well, it would be now then, right now. But, so I have Sixto Sanchez being the ace for the Marlins, and number two, it is going to be Sandy Alcantara, age 26. Alcantara has what it is up as well. His command has been getting much better. I've been seeing it from the spring. That's the only thing he really needs to work on is his pitch location. Uh, walking too many batters has always an issue for him, but he really has the, the nasty pitches to strike out batters. And I love Sandy Alcantara. I think he's great. Uh, he's a great pickup for Marcelo Zuna that we got in that trade. And I really like him here. The number two pitcher, six stone Sandy, will go back and forth. Uh, both these guys are going to be the franchise pitchers for us that we once needed uh, when they are struggling. I think these guys are going to progress very well in the minors. On to the third pitcher, uh, I got Nick Neidert. Uh, he'll be age 25. Uh, Nick Neidert, uh, you know, very, no one's really talking to him as much as they should be. I like Nick Neidert a lot. Um, and I think he's going to be a nice fit here. He's going to sneak his way in. Very underrated pitcher in the pro league. He will be. I'm calling he'll be a very underrated pitcher. I like McNider. I see him right here in the future at age 25. And the fourth pitcher will be my guy, Pablo Lopez. Seeing what he did in spring, that's a sign of what's to come in the future. Lopez has his stuff as well. He'll be age 25, just like Nider. And him and Nider will be fighting for that number three spot. And I got Lopez going into the rotation here. And he'll be a long-term pitcher for the fish. I like the fit a lot. Number five will be Braxton Garrett, age 24. I uh, had a lot of praise for him coming out of high school. Um, the injury got to him, unfortunately. Tommy John surgery. A lot of our guys out of high school that we drafted at Tommy John surgery. And it sucks, you know. It's a big blow. And But he's going to bounce back. He's going to make himself known. And he will be sneaking into the rotation. I will call it right now. And other mentions that I was really judging getting in here was Trevor Rogers. thought Trevor Rogers could sneak his way in as well, but I have him coming up maybe as a September call-up or, you know, if somebody gets injured, he will be get called up. Him and Zach Gallon, both those guys. But that is our rotation for the 2022 Marlins. Uh, Chris, let's get your thoughts on that. What do you think? Um, well, yeah, the Marlins have it scheduled that most of these guys are going to be MLB ready um, by um, the years 2021, 2022, 2020, around that range. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, one of my, the guys I'm liking here is Pablo Lopez. I have a lot of 
um, faith that he is going to be at that big league level, you know, at a high level. You know, he's going to be one of the Marlins' top pitchers in the league. I see him probably being, maybe being the number two pitcher. Uh, Jose Urania stretching to number three eventually. Sixto Sanchez, I see him being the ace. Uh, that's my, that's my, um, that's my um, thoughts on him. By that time, this team is definitely going to be. If, it, if this is, if this team exactly what you just told me is actually how it's going, how, how you guys are going to be set up, it's, it's a playoff team, no doubt about it. It's a postseason team. You will see your team um, in the postseason. If this is true, if you can get Anthony Rizzo, Francisco Lindor, Marcelo Zuna, and all your players are progressing the way that that we're hoping, then yes, they'll be a postseason team. I'm really hoping that this happens. It'd be great to see Miami in the postseason and attempting to win themselves a ring, attempting them to see that they can win um, a ring to uh, spark baseball in Miami. No doubt about it. That's my um, thoughts on this. Hopefully they are going to be at that level at that point. And when we and also, uh, guys, the closer I have will be Jorge Guzman. I think he was going to turn into a closer, and I, I just don't think he is, uh, has what it takes to be a starter, but he's going to be a nasty closer, an Aroldis Chapman-type closer for the fish. And before we move on to our next topic, my honorable mention will be Victor Mesa Jr. You don't want to forget about him. He definitely has what it takes to make it in the big league level. But before we move on to the next topic, which will be Lewis Brinson's progression and his comeback tour, that will be the next topic. But before we get there, we are going to have to go to a small break again. We'll be back right after this. Tune in to Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at 5. We go over everything going on in the land of the New York Yankees. We'll be discussing Masahiro Tanaka and the announcement that he is the opening day starter for the Yankees. We'll also be talking about the back end of the rotation with injuries to Sabathia and Severino. Who's going to fill into those, those last two spots to start the year? And we're also going to be discussing Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Who has more power? Who's hitting more home runs? And which home run king will run New York? All this and more on this episode of Pinstripe Talk, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Do not miss it, Yankee fans. All right, guys, we are back from the break, and we are going to talk about Lewis Brinson's comeback tour uh, before, you know, we get into that. I know we've been talking about Lewis Brinson relatively a lot, uh, but he's worth it. I and mean, he's been worth the chatter. I mean, he's been doing this last year. People are starting to speculate, hey, this is a normal thing. He does well here and he doesn't do too well in the season. But, you know, I have my faith in Lewis. His approach has been so much better. But, yeah, he is my man to be on the comeback tour for the fish. I think he's very, very locked in at the plate now. His glove is fantastic. And his back can complement that. That is definitely – going to be a scary side for pitchers. Lewis Brinson has what it takes the long ball. His power has gotten so much better. I think Lewis Brinson's comeback tour is coming up very fast. We're all very excited to see it. Um, but I'm just, no, I'm very excited to see Lewis Brinson. I think he is the franchise guy here. I've said it many times. And I think he will be the franchise center fielder for the Marlins. Chris, before you talk about Lewis Brinson, I did want to say something that, uh, Kind of out of topic here. I wanted to uh, say thank you for our amazing Met uh, host, uh, John and Jake. Uh, we're definitely going to miss them on the podcast here for the Amazing Mets podcast. Um, 
it was great to ch- chat with them. Just wanted to bring that up real quick and go. Uh, you know, welcome Tim, Kelly, and Sal Moska to the, to the uh, squad here. But you no, know, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, I'm gonna miss those guys. Uh, it was good talking to them. Yeah, but we'll get back on track here. <laughs> uh, so Chris, uh, what do you thought? I know you said so much about Lewis Brinson already, but I just want to like, do you think his comeback tour is this year? And if so, how many home runs do you think he's going to? Hit? Um. Well, it's it's now. It's it's here. It's I think it's um, a season ago, you know, not a lot of hope for him, you know, nobody's really, no one was seeing what he really can do, you know, last season he really didn't have a big season, I've said this multiple times already, but um, honestly, it's, it's, he didn't have a great season last year, and we can all look at the stat board, and we all know that, but this year, it's here, it's his time, he's gonna, this is his comeback tour, this is it. He's going to show the MLB. He's going to show all the fans. He's going to show all the haters that he is not to be messed with. You know, this guy, he's, he's MLB ready. He showed it in um, spring training. He's taking guys that you would regularly be seen starting in the majors, taking them deep, you know. Um, not something we were seeing that much last year, but he's he's putting up a decent amount of um, home runs already. Um, we're only um, a month away. Around the yeah, around a month away till opening day, and he's showing everything that we've wanted him to see. This is this is Lewis Brinson. This is the major league Lewis Brinson that we're seeing right now. This isn't bench Lewis Brinson. This isn't minor league Lewis Brinson. This is MLB starting center field Lewis Brinson for the Miami Marlins that you'll be seeing in the top four in the batting lineup. And how many home runs do you think he had that he will have this year? Well, I did say this last last week, but I'm gonna probably I said around 18 to 19 home runs last okay. week. I think I'm gonna bump that up to 20 to 21, saying that he did hit another home run and he's not stopping. He's showing that he's still here. He's waving down the crowd, saying, "Hey, don't forget about me. I'm still hitting dingers," and he's definitely it. This guy, he's good. Lewis Brinson, he's doing well. I'm happy to see this. Uh, 2021. That's the home runs I'm seeing. Maybe around 2021, the year, he'll be hitting around 30 home runs a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of praise in for Lewis Brinson here. Uh, I know he's always been talking. I know we're always talking about Lewis, but, you know, it's hard to not talk about the chatter. And you know, speaking of players like that, you know, it's been a while since we had a interview here on with a player. Uh, we're definitely trying to get some players on here. We're supposed to have – you know, we we're trying to get Harold Ramirez on this year, on this week. He was uh, busy, but we're definitely gonna try to bring on someone big next week for you guys. Uh, you know, we want to interview someone as much as you guys want to hear. I know you guys love hearing the player interviews, and we're just gonna definitely try our best to get someone on for next week. But going to the next topic here, uh, let's talk about the opening day roster. Um, Chris, I know there's uh, a lot of players in spring that have been surprising uh, up and down for the fish, but let's just have an opening day roster prediction here. Not even with the starters. Let's talk about the bench. Um, see Magnaria Sierra, Austin Dean, Neil Walker, Martin Cotto, Garrett Cooper, Miguel Rojas, you know, Garrett, you know, Garrett Cooper, he said, uh, Yadiel Rivera, Chad Wallace, Brian Holiday. Chris, who do you see Winning the shortstop job, though. Do you see Miguel Rojas or JT Riddle? I'll answer mine right after yours. I just want to hear what you think first, and then 
course, I'll go right after. Now, a summary of so far of spring training. Uh, spring training really allows you to see um, what the offseason's done to a player, and you can tell that the offseason, you know, when I'm saying this on a nice way, it hasn't been treating um, Riddle too great. And I think it's been treating Miguel Rojas fantastic. You know, he's 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 on top of his game. He has um, a great average around 400. Um, he's doing great. He's I think he's going to get the shortstop job. Um, no doubt in my mind. I think he's the guy that's going to start on opening day. That's my honest opinion. You know, I think he's going to be there. He's going to be the starting guy on opening day. He's not going to be sitting on the bench shooting seeds. Seeds. Uh, he's the guy that's going to be starting on opening day for the shortstop position. <laughs> shooting seeds. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Miguel Rojas too. Look at JT Riddle having only three hits and 27 at bats. Definitely crushing, but one home run with three RBIs is, uh, I mean, you know, it's not eye-popping, but it's something to look at. But when you go over to Rojas, he had nine hits and 20 at-bats, 450 average. You have to give it to Rojas. I know they're favoring Riddle a little bit here. Uh, I feel it coming, but I think Rojas is your man to start at shortstop this year. Um, and remember, these guys aren't, you know, the youngest in pack. You know, Rojas, turned, Rojas at 830, turned to 30 last month, and Riddle 827. We're still looking ahead for the future for the fish here, but Roloff will get the starting job at shortstop. And there's another uh, uh, job here that they're looking at is Brian Holiday versus Chad Wallach. Uh, in my opinion, Holiday will win this job as well. I haven't really seen – next way saying is I haven't seen much production from Chad Wallach as of late. Uh, I would like to see him turn it around. I do think he's a great guy. He has the skills to be a nice catcher in this league, but I think Holiday, we're going to go with the experience. Played nice last year as a backer for us, and I think he's a great, you know, it was a great idea bringing him in as a backup and bringing him back was definitely very smart and very happy that the fish did that. I thought it was a very smart move on the Miami Marlins. And looking at the outfield, you got Rossell Herrera, Austin Dean, and Nairi Sierra all trying to get that backup spot out there, and. You know, Sierra with that speed out there, but Granderson's really been struggling despite hitting that home run on the night game, uh, which is a nice shot by Granderson. He really, really needed it. You're looking at the guys here. Austin Dean is very eye-popping to me. I've always liked Austin Dean. I think he's got what it takes. But Sierra having four hits, 20 at-bats. You know, you're looking at like, okay, but Austin Dean having three RBRs, six hits, and 22 at-bats. Russell Rivera having a 167 average. I do have Austin Dean as the everyday backup outfielder for the fish. Uh, Curtis Grandison really needs to, you know, break out of this slump. He's one for 11. He did that. He did have that home run. That could be a sign of him bringing the heat up in spring here. But, you know, looking at it, you know, I think Austin Dean will be the everyday backup outfielder for the fish. Chris, is with Curtis Grandison right now? Is it? Is it? Like concerning that he's not hitting the ball well right now, or what do you think? Well, Curtis Granderson, he's had a very he's he's had a good career. Three All Star game appearances, um, playing alongside the owner of the Yankees right now, not the Yankees of the Miami Marlins, Derek Jeter. They played for the Yankees together, and they were able to play in the All Star game together. And he's got that All Star background. He's he was at the he was at the top of the league at one point, and there's no 
I understand age does take a toll on some players, but there's no reason why he can't still be a decent player. I'm not saying that he has to be playing like Francisco Lindor or he has to be at that top level like he used to be. He doesn't have to be. You know, I can understand. Age does take a toll, but he has to be showing that he is capable of fulfilling what the Yankees are at. Not the Yankees. The Marlins are asking for him. My bad. Um, you just he he's showing a lot of signs of decrease, and that's not something you like to see in a player. That um, that Derek Jeter's giving him a chance at. You know, he's giving him a chance to play for a team, play for his team, and he's decreasing. You know, he can always turn around, take a quick U-turn, and be up there again. You know, that's what I'm hoping. Everybody's hoping for that. Everybody in Miami is hoping for that. Uh, if you're a Marlins fan, and I'm definitely hoping for that. I hope it does happen. Um, but, yeah, I would be very concerned about current state. And before we get into the next topic, there will be some updates in Marlins Park and more stories about, you know, the moment that we remember for the fifth. But we're going to be right back with one more break. Hello there, everyone. It's Tim from the Amazing Mets podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about the New York Mets. On this week's episode, that will air at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday night, we will be covering the releasing of infielder TJ Rivera and how it will affect the Mets in the future. We'll also be giving a rundown of our spring training weekly awards. And finally, we will be talking about who will win the Mets' third baseman spot for opening day. Will it be Jeff McNeil, who came off a great season last year? Will it be J.D. Davis, the newly acquired from the Astros trade? Or will it be Jed Lowry, who we acquired early this offseason, who is also a 2018 All-Star. I guess you guys have to find out on the Amazing Mets podcast at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday night. Hope to see you guys there. All right, guys, we are back from the break. Uh, we are going to give you guys some, give you guys some updates about Marlins Park, how it has been going as of late. They are almost done with the big three floor standing room out there, and it will be ready by opening day is what I'm hearing. Uh, I mean, of course, it's going to open by opening day. You have to have that open. <laughs> but, yeah, it's looking very nice right now, and the walls are have already been painted blue. I've seen by various pictures. So, very happy to get the green walls out of there. It's, uh, it really didn't like it too much. So, I'm glad they're making a lot of adjustments to the stadium. I like what Jesus is doing over there. I think it's a great, great idea for the Marlins. Chris, you know, I'm always going to come back here and ask you questions here to answer on the show. What are your thoughts about changes in Marlins Park? I never really got to ask you that. So, what, do you thought, what are your thoughts about that? Well, it's a shame to see the new, the old statue, that um, home run statue monument, as you will, you can say, you can call it that. Um, they obviously there there was a way around it that with changing the colors of Miami and changing the theme of Miami, you could have always repainted the statue, and made it look different from how it all, how it did before. But you know, they wanted to get a fresh start. You know, they wanted to put more seating in the outfield. That's one thing has been requested from the fans, um, and they listened to the fans, and they put more more um more room for them in the outfield. And 
for all those people that are the ball hawks that like catching balls at games, you know, looking to snag a couple home runs at batting practice or looking to see Lewis Brinson hit one deep and make a nice play in the outfield, you know, make a nice catch on the three um three uh three layered um standing um area that they have added um, now to center field. Um you know, I, I think it's a cool move. I think it's it's more fun for the fans that they can be more places in the outfield or in anywhere in the stadium. You know, it's it's letting people be more free around the stadium, people standing where they want. You know, it's obviously the tickets are pretty cheap. You know, you look at the tickets, they're not that expensive at all. And the standing room tickets, I would recommend that if you're ever going to want to go to the game early, I would recommend getting those tickets to um, for batting practice if you're looking to snag a couple balls. I like it. Um, I like the colors. The jersey's looking fresh. Hat's looking nice. I got my own hat now, so I I like the hats. Um, that's that, I, I like it. It's a new age of Miami. The Marlins have changed their logo and uniform three times. Well, they've had three different logos and three different uniforms. Hopefully, this is it. Hopefully, this one's here to stay for a while. Hopefully, they don't change things on us. Um, but, you know, I like this one. This one can stay. That's my opinion. I think it's going to stay for a long time. And with 10 minutes to go here, uh, I want to start talking about maybe some past moments in Marlins history that you remember. Uh, I'm going to keep this, you know, keep this maybe down to the two, that 2010. So we don't really remember too much about that before. But I just wanted to come out here and uh, mention one moment in Marlins history. And it wasn't the Roy Holiday perfect game. Uh, it was in 2013, actually. Uh, not 2013, 2012. My fault, guys. Yeah, the first Miami Marlins game in Marlins Park, April 4, 2012. I remember going to that game. Uh, it was just a great experience. And seeing the ballpark, I wish it could be like that every day at Marlins Park. There was so much there was live music there. The fans, it was packed. There was fans everywhere. On the upper deck, some the highest seats, you don't see anything open. No one's sitting up there. But, now, but at that game, everybody, it was packed. It was sold out. And that was the first ever Miami Marlins game, and I was against the Cardinals. I remember going to that game, and it was just a great experience. And I just, you know, I missed that. And I wish we can draw crowds in like that. You know, why can't we? I know we're rebuilding. I know we're, we're not, we're, we're losing right now, but you know, like when we were even when we had Stanton and Yelich, we weren't even bringing in fans then. And and it just it's it's not fun to lose. No one's ever said it was. You know, look at the teams like the Orioles; they're at least bringing in a decent amount of fans. Like, you know, I wish we'd have more people go to the games. Uh, it's far, you know, it's not it's far for some people. I understand that, um, but you know, it's just I wish more people would be able to go to the games. It's just a great experience there. Uh, and Dieter even said they're not worried more about the scoreboard this year. They're worried about the experience. And they, you know, they, they got new foods over there and everything else. And, you know, it's it's a good experience, you know. And, Chris, you've been to Mullins Park a few times. And I get your experience coming going to Mullins Park. I get your experience going to it and what your thoughts are about it. Well, do you mean current day or how it used to be? I, uh, no, current day. Current day, like how it is, like like maybe last year. I know you went through a couple of games. Can you just explain how it was last year? 
Well, you can tell that out of every Marlins, not every Marlins, but every single stadium in the MLB, um, there's definitely something out of the ordinary with Marlins Park. Um, You can see that there isn't a whole lot of people going to their games. You know, you still see some fans, you see some of the diehards still at the games, but you can tell that it's not the Marlins Park that it was the first game it was the first game. Well, it's always going to be packed on opening day of a team's new new design, new stadium, uh, you know. Same thing with the All-Star game. It was obviously going to be packed when it came down to Miami. Um, not last season, but the season before. Um, but the Marlins, even when they did have Stanton and Yelich, they weren't a winning – they weren't a playoff contender. They didn't have the pitching that they needed. They needed so desperately. Um, but they're going to have it. I think they're going to have it. Uh, you just have to wait a little bit more, but they're going to have it. But it doesn't mean not to go to games. Even though they don't have it now, it still doesn't mean to go support your team because, well, what do you think is paying the players? I mean, not only that, but it's a nice experience to see, to see the games. I mean, it's – I mean, they win, they lose, you know, but it's it's not about who wins or who loses. It's about being in the atmosphere, um, seeing big-time players um, at that and, you know, seeing what they can do. You know, I would definitely suggest going to games if you don't really go to many. I would suggest to go to it. Um, it's fun. There's a lot of different things you can do. You can always go and go to try to catch balls. You can always go and maybe stay after for autographs. I mean, the guys walk out of the park basically on, on the first first base or third base side. You know, they're just right there. You can meet the players. It's like Fan Fest every single day that you go to Mall's Park because you're always going to leave with something, some kind of souvenir. You know, that's one thing that's fun about it. You can be a part of the game. It's your way of getting close to the game. You can have a ball that was hit from the stands. You can, it's better than watching it on TV, I'll tell you that, um, just from someone that goes to a decent amount of games. I can, I can say that it's better than actually watching it on TV because I was at the Yankees and Mullins game down here in Miami when Stanton made his um, made his uh, return to Miami playing for the pinstripes of New York. It was packed. It was loaded. There was so many people there. Um, now, I'm a Yankees fan. I think I've established that last week. But, uh, yeah. But um, let's, let's, I'm just talking about the Marlins right now. You know, it's not something that – it's not really good to see when when 80% of the stadium is chanting the Yankees' name and not Marlins, the Marlins. But – it's a rebuild. It's a rebuild, rebuild process. A lot of teams in the MLB have to go through this. The Houston Astros had to go through this. And look what they have now. Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman. They have a great team. And the Marlins will have a great team as well. Okay? They're going to be the next Astros one day. Okay? They're going to be there. They're going to be at that top tier level. Alex Bregman is basically Brian Anderson. Right there. You know, they – George Springer, Lewis Brinson. That's my comparisons right now to the Astros. That's that's your future. I'm seeing that. They're going to soon be flooding in Mullins Park once the team starts winning. But these new colors, opening day, now they're going to have so many fans on opening day. It could be unreal. They all want to see the new colors. They all want to see the new jerseys. They all want to see the new additions to the team, including Neil Walker. Curtis Granderson is probably a favorite of the added players. 
that's my input. You know, that's that's my thoughts. That that's it's gonna be it's gonna be a very um, fun opening day for the mall. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're taking them out against the Colorado Rockies, uh, March 28th, Thursday, 4 p.m. at Mullins Park. Uh, you know, we're very excited to go. And if you do want 10% off on any tickets for the Miami Mullins or anything else, just go to put the promo code BPN10 in WR.com. Again, WR.com and the promo code BPN10 for 10% off on any order there. And you can buy your tickets on that on that website. But also, guys, another merchandise: the hometown kid Louis Brinson shirt that you guys definitely need to cop a pair of. It is so nice. Um, potential new designs may be coming out soon, but you know we really love the support from you guys. You know, definitely make sure to uh, cop one of those. Very, very, it's a very cool jersey shirt, or whatever you want to call it. But we are actually approaching the end of the podcast. You guys heard it here, the 2022 Mullins lineup prediction. Uh, whoever heard the whole lineup here, uh, you guys know we can rewatch on here, but I will be posting it like days after, so you guys kind of got the inside. It sounds really realistic to you, but I'm telling you, though, it is very possible. Cause they do want to spend, and Jared Jeter did say in the future he wants to spend on big fish. He did say that. So you could see a lot of definite big spending by Derek Jeter in the near future when they're ready to compete. But without further ado, I'm Nick. That's Chris. Thank you guys so much for joining the Marlins Catch Podcast. Next week we will be live here, same time, 7.30 Eastern, right here on Baseball Podcast Network. Hopefully we bring in a guest host, I guess, next week. Uh, We're working on it, guys. Uh, Remember, you guys are very busy due to the meeting in spring and at camp. Uh, definitely not too easy for them guys, but we're trying our best here to bring them on for you guys and to, of course to interview them and pick their brains a little bit. But like always, thank you guys so much for listening again to the Mall and Kids podcast. We'll see you next week. The Marlins Catch is produced by Benson Vector. The Marlins Catch is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram, Nick, at Marlins Double Underscore News, and Eli, at Fish Stripes. Be sure to follow the Marlins Catch on their Instagram as well, at the Marlins Catch. For more of the Marlins Catch content, be sure to head over to their website at themarlinscatch.com. And for more Baseball Podcast Network content, head over to their website as well at baseballpodcastnet.com. Follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at baseballpodcastnet. Twitter, at baseballpodcast1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Modern Catch. We'll see you next time.